Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He's dead. We have no voice. The regime watches our every move. It started when voter suppression ran wild all over America. The voting rights bills died in the Senate. Somebody has got to go. Whether it's Dr. Tracy, or whether it's Ms. Roberly, or whether it's the mayor. There has to be some transparency here. This really been kind of like a bro culture, like a, a like a frat culture. It's being really rude and just saying like comments like, what are you doing here? Or like, how'd you learn to do this? Like, why? Like, what are you building? I'm like in the middle of building a brew house upside down on my back under machines. And they're just being super rude and asking me questions about like why I was there. I'm like, I'm working right now. The staff show, it's not just gun crimes. So why does the president think there's been a 30% increase in car thefts in D.C., 47% increase in robbery in New York City, or a 98% increase in rapes in Atlanta? Well, first, I think if you look at a number of cities across the country, it is actually driven by gun violence. (laughs) Sorry. So we talked yesterday about this administration not needing to, not needing to worry about the White House press corps, because they can just file it away. They can give direction like they did yesterday when Saki told uh, Cortez, Cortez, was it Cortez? Cortez. Cortez, uh, essentially that this administration had been found to be the most the most ethical and ethical experts, experts in ethics had deemed it so as well. And also this was the most diverse administration, so shut up and go home. And now... This administration really has a a cloistered, closed-off approach to the press and issues. And it's really remarkable to hear. So here's Peter Ducey, who manages to get a good question out about violence happening in the country. And what he's doing is he's seeing that this administration is totally shut down. They're, the, I, the, the shutters are drawn. So he's just pointing Saki... 
to obvious problems, tr problems everybody can see. These are not hard situations to put her in the position where she's going to do the absurd and pretend that these problems don't exist and also deflect. And all it is, it's, it's really not even about anything but showing that you've caught this liar in a, um, in a loop that they can't, that she can't get out of. Once again, I don't, I don't want to use liar like people use liar for Kaylee McEnany, whatever. <clears throat> but when you can hit a button, um, <clears throat> who had the dog? Who had the dog? Who had the dog? Who taught the dog to get the pill? I have no idea what you're talking you about. You teach the dog to press the button so that he gets a dog treat. Somebody's dog. That we know? No, no, we don't know him. Somebody's <laughs> dog. Know. Okay. Like Voltoff's dog or something. Okay. Pavlov. Okay, there you go. He had the dog. That's the no, only dog. That's the only it's dog. A different. It's not. It's no <clears throat> button, but whatever. It was. Just, so really, that's what he's doing. Okay. What Deucey's doing is Pavlov's dog. He's just making. He's watching us watch her malfunction, because <laughs> no, no, but, but but she knows she's happy to play the game because nobody's going to pick it up, so she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. If you catch her doing this, you're. I mean, she, you know what it is. This is, she doesn't care that you're seeing the wizard behind the curtain. Doesn't care. Because what are you going to do? You're only Fox News. We can contain your damage. Right. And so that's why when she deflects in a way that's like just oddly, it, oddly, certainly cynical, but it's, it's so disconnected from the way people would ever communicate with each other. I mean, you would never talk to somebody like this. Mm -hmm. When they're asking a legit question, this is not a gotcha question. This is about crime going up right. in cities. So the administration, they don't want to talk about crime going up in the cities. Right. Just like uh, they didn't want to talk um, uh, about uh, patronage and handing jobs to Biden's buddy's kids. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about how diverse they are, et cetera, just stay on messaging. So they don't even service the question. And that creates this spectacle and that's what Deucey's here he, here to do right now he's showing us the spectacle of her refusing to answer a question because it might mean bad messaging even though in the process of doing that she seems cyborgian so here we go Deucey asks about violence the trick here is that he wants an explanation for violence it, it, he wants Saki to address violence in the streets other he than knows just gun crime. exactly. He knows she wants to go to his gun agenda, and so that's where this um, this dance goes. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. Uh, you said yesterday the president feels a lot, a great deal of the crime we're seeing is a result of gun violence, but the stats show it's not just gun crimes. So why does the president think there's been a thirty percent increase in car thefts in D.C.? 47% increase in robbery in New York City or a 98% increase in rapes in Atlanta. 
Well, first, I think if you look at a number of cities across the country, it is actually driven by gun violence. Um, take St. Louis. Um, in 2021, 96% of homicides uh, where the instrument is known were committed using a firearm. In New York City, uh, from March 2020 to March 2021, shooting incidents have jumped 77%. The city recorded more than 1,500 shootings in 2020. He listed off a whole bunch of things that were not gun violence. <clears throat> right. And she is now, mm-hmm. she has deleted every part of his question that isn't gun violence and only mentioning gun violence. Mm-hmm. Sidestepping the rape, sidestepping the um, robberies, sidestepping everything else that everybody else sees in cities. Right. And her statistics that she's giving are nonsense statistics in the context of the question. To say that 96% of homicides were with a gun... <clears throat> in 2021 doesn't tell you anything if you don't know what that percentage was in other years. To say that gun crimes are up 77% in a particular city doesn't tell you anything unless you know how much the other crimes are up. You know, is it a similar percent, a different percent, a bigger percent? Right. It doesn't tell you anything because she's on purpose avoiding any comparisons that would actually tell you whether or not gun violence is driving it or if gun violence is just one among many crimes that has gone up now right so none of the democratic violence has gone up or will be addressed Mm -hmm. all of the republican violence because republicans love guns and they're they're owned by the nra who hands them into inner cities Mm -hmm. only republican violence exists in these cities Right, 97% more than 777 in 2019. There are major cities across the country where gun violence is absolutely the driver, where it is absolutely increasing. and that- The driver of everything else? Mm-hmm, yeah. Gun violence makes rape happen. Gun violence makes carjackings happen. So I understand, and we, under- we understand politics, but all you have to know is that the messaging is the fix for them. Yeah. This crime problem is not going to be addressed. The administration is not going to get its hands dirty, working, dealing, having friction with Democratic leaders, municipal leaders, elected leaders in cities. Mm-hmm. Hell no. No way. A lot of these people are still milking the um, this hands-off uh, crime uh, theory that's a strategy that's happening well right and these are big supporters of biden these are people that turned out to vote that aren't necessarily every election cycle voters these people that were involved in protests this year and stuff this isn't necessarily a biden voting block per se this was an anti-trump voting block because the democratic party used the messaging that trump was the law and order party and the defund the police people went great so we're voting for the other guy mm-hmm. now you've you know thrown in with this crowd of people that wants to defund the police it puts biden in a bad position because this ongoing crime spike is a huge problem that he's not handling and he can't piss off this portion of people that helped get him elected and without whom he's in trouble i mean like if in, i mean i don't really think he's gonna run in the next election anyway so i guess it doesn't really matter but um i guess for democrats in general it's a problem that you know his approval rating is tanking in iowa they just did a study it was like 47 approval 45 disapproval earlier this year now it's 43 approvals 57 disapproval I mean, it really 
jumped a lot. And a lot of that is the immigration, the crime, the economy. These are issues where people feel that he's not handling things well. And he's pissing off the regular people by not doing anything about these problems. While, you know, if in the next election, somehow there's not the highest vote total of all the people who have ever voted in the United States ever, then uh, then Democrats could be in trouble. Right. And this is exactly, you mentioned immigration. This is exactly what they did in immigration. Mm -hmm. The problem, you focus away from the problem. The, once the VP signals to you that she's not getting involved on there, and you say, okay, we'll make this an origin problem. Send her down to Guatemala. This is about Guatemala's infrastructure and about social justice in LGBTQ rights in Guatemala. <laughs> That's what's happening. Screw the kids in the border. Actually, you had a good article you sent about the border happening mm -hmm. right now, which is very sad. And t featured an eight-year-old girl uh, really just bursting into tears um, because the, the problem isn't done. The, Biden has moved. The administration has moved on from it. They've compelled mm -hmm. their media to move on from it. But it's unresolved, and it's still untenable, and... It is a bad scene down there. And with the gun violence, it's the same exact thing. And yeah, they're not they're not interested. And so they see this gun violence has gone through the roof. They know that this is absolutely, these are from the green shoots that Democrats planted last year. They are flourishing now. Mm -hmm. And in, the, in these, these cities have been ruined. They've ruined these big cities. And this kind of stuff, um, the yoga... Yoga and wine moms, mm -hmm. they don't like violence in the streets. They don't like this kind of stuff. Mm -mm. And if you're a Democrat in Congress right now, you're looking at this and saying, this is finito for us. It doesn't matter if the economy gets back to balance. It doesn't matter if the unemployment rate uh, continues to, to increase. It, it's not going to matter. If you've ruined all the fun cities, uh, then this is bad news, especially when you told them. You saw, these are politicians who directly ruined these cities mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah, and it, it bears a lot of comparison to the immigration thing because, again, <laughs> this is something where they wanted to demonize Trump. And in demonizing Trump, they sent a message that they were on the opposite side of this issue from Trump. But the opposite side of that issue is a stupid place to be. Right. So like they said on immigration, Trump is bad. He doesn't want the migrant families to come. He's so mean. And then the migrant families were like, OK, so if you're opposite that, that means you want us to come. Right. Right. And they all showed up and Biden was like, no, no, wait, I didn't mean that. I actually think the same thing as him. Now, the same thing is happening with the crime in the cities is you know, Biden and Kamala and the Democratic Party were like, look, Trump is so mean to the defund the police psychos throwing Molotov cocktails into police cars. Trump's so mean to them. He's tear gassing them. He's awful. And then the defund the police people assume Biden's on their team. The people who are, you know, petty criminals who are thinking they're going to commit crimes and are wondering how tough on crime the next administration is going to be are watching this and going, oh, good, Biden's on our side. He doesn't want the police coming after us. He's not going to send in the National Guard to bolster any of these cities. He's not going to do anything to protect people from us. And now that they're in this situation where we've elected the guy who was elected under the mantle of defund the police, I know that's not what Biden says he's for, but... He's on that team, like it or not. At the end of the day, if you're going to, you know, make Trump the anti-defund the police guy, then Biden is the defund the police right. guy, even if he doesn't say it out loud. That's his side of the issue. Yes. Yes. Well, and the thing is, he also speaks the language. 
He's speaking social justice and wokies just as much as anybody else. So that makes him in the club. Mm-hmm. It's implicitly he's in the club. Of course he's for the. He's speaking wokies. He's right. showing us. He's got the tattoo. I'm in this gang. I'm 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 right. here with you. He never said out loud abolish ICE and open the borders, but right. You know that's the message people took right. when, when we, you're having a rally with the uh, you know, abolish ICE and open the borders. When people. you when you have the family of George Floyd over for Din Din <laughs> and their Weasley lawyer. Then you make it quite clear. And Jacob Blake. He visited Jacob Blake. Did he, he really? Yeah. Oh, my God. When he was in the hospital, he visited us. Oh, my God. I'd forgotten. That will be a central part of what he'll talk about when he delivers his remarks tomorrow. And given everything that is going on with guns, without guns, does the president still think that this is the best time to end cash bail? Uh, I don't think I have a, any new position on that for you, but I'm happy to check and see if there's anything more to report. So, so his stated position from his website, which is that basically end cash bail, he wants to lead a national effort to end cash bail and reform the pretrial system, that stands? I don't have a new position for you, but I'm happy to check for you. And so for people who are watching who might be worried about a rise in crime, what does the president think is a deterrent to committing a crime if there's no cash bill in place so ending cash bill once again another thing another thing that biden was absolutely for that he is right. afraid of the woke democratic activist uh core so he doesn't want to say anything that's going to upset them or do anything that's going to make them upset so she saki app just takes a knee says oh yeah no i don't have anything on that uh, you know it does server error sorry about that <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, uh, I don't want anyone to be alarmed about the crying child. There's nothing wrong with him. He's upset that we ran out of grapes. Oh, did we really run out of grapes? He ate he them all. Just bought them. Oh, he ate them all. He okay. ate them all, and now he's upset that they're gone. Yeah. So, camera number one is about to take a beating. <laughs> well, let me give you a, just a sense to the degree I can, because we're still finalizing the specifics. Um, there's been one an increase in violent crime over the last 18 months. It's not just over the last few months, and actually, if you look statistically back, it's more over the last. Five years or so. Yeah, but mostly it's uh, George Floyd crime started at the beginning of the pandemic. So don't tell me uh, the last 18 minutes there's been a spike. Yeah, there's really been a spike since you destroyed the cities. So there's an initial set of actions the president has announced uh, to date uh, uh, to address gun violence back in April, strengthening regulations on ghost guns, stabilizing braces that make firearms more lethal, investing money in community violence intervention programs, uh, an investment that he thinks can be quite effective. He's talked about for decades, and I think you'll hear him talk about more tomorrow, uh, supporting additional funding for community policing through his budget request and helping state and local governments community keep, uh, policing. cops on the beat. So Good luck yes, with that. we believe that a central driver of violence is gun violence and is the use of guns. We're seeing that statistically in a lot of areas, but he also believes that we need to ensure that state and local governments keep cops on the beat, that we're supporting community policing. And that's She's saying this part as quiet as possible. Keep cops on the beat. Right. Well, you know what? When he had the chance to defend the police, when he had the chance to be front and center defending law enforcement in saying there was nothing provably racist about anything that happened with Jarek Chauvin, he did not do it. He did what what, what was politically uh, uh, expen no wait politically expen what is it expeditious Pe- expeditious yes I'm sorry Alice this is my fifth hour on the air today did you know? <laughs> I did know that you're a hero thank you it's a key part of it as well and just the last one uh, you just said again you guys want to keep cops on the beat but there are reports that big cities are having a very difficult time recruiting officers right now and there are many other reports that morale is at an all-time low in big 
police department. So why does the president think that there's low morale with police officers on the beat? I don't think we're the right entity to give an assessment of that. I'd certainly look to the police departments to... What a cowardly answer. We have no idea why no. people don't want to be cops. It's very, it's very weird... You can ask your vice president maybe why, considering she was bailing out violent criminals. You know, we have no idea. Just no idea. So strange. My goodness. And that's that's also so cynical. That's calling the American people crazy. Where was it? Was it Portland where the whole crowd control unit quit because they were charging them with crimes for just trying to do their job and control the crowds that have made Portland an unlivable city now for the last year? Absolutely. For her... Not for them not to have an answer for that. To so afraid of radical woke leftists, mm-hmm. so that they won't even pretend to have empathy for police. That shows what side they're on, and that is not, not, and not. Well, they can't because that would be like Trump. Because Trump liked police officers, so they can't be like Trump. That's right. And Bo Biden used to be a police officer guy, but no more. Give that assessment. But what I would say to you is that the president has never supported defunding the police. He's always supported uh, community policing programs. He supported giving funding to, to, to states and localities around the country, including through his American uh, Rescue Plan, because he thinks there is an essential role to play for community. Oh, there she goes. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, he's very against defunding the police. He just uh, doesn't want to do anything that might piss off the people that do want to defund the police. So there you go. <sighs> so on the radio in, um, in Connecticut today, we talked about these two women from Connecticut who are, they both work at breweries, and they have come together and decided that there's enough uh, that they want to fight back against toxic masculinity essentially mm-hmm. at this in the brewery culture one person is named mariah billion and one is named who's the other one the other is not mariah billion but this is what she says and she's created this organization um it, 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 her and her friend to be act as almost a human resource for for beer companies for for breweries that uh, are really small and to also be consultants kind of and stand up for women. The the poster child for the craft beer industry is really like a white man in a beard with a flannel. So there you go. It's really been kind of like a bro culture, like a, a like a frat culture in certain uh, in certain breweries and certain communities, etc. So they want to uh, be this resource for people in the brewery culture. And if you go to, if you, it all started with this woman named Brienne Allen, who is from Salem, Massachusetts, and she was treated badly one time, although she, she felt she was sexually harassed or whatever. And she felt that some of the comments people made implied that she didn't belong in the brewing Exactly. Industry so here's her at NPR saying one of them. Just being really rude and just saying like comments like, what are you doing here? Or like, how'd you learn to do this? Like, why? Like, what are you building? I'm like in the middle of building a brew house upside down on my back under machines. And they're just being super rude and asking me questions about like why I was there. I'm like, I'm working right now. Right. She's, I'm working right now. So what those guys were doing, obviously, was hitting on her. She's very cute. And of course... It's a, it's a guy, it's a, it's a guy, it's a category. The beer girl, hardworking, I make beer for a living. That's a cool in guys, girl kind of thing. And like, not to stereotype, but they all have a bunch of tattoos Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, they're just like, there's (laughs) the stereotype of the bearded brewer guy. These 
the women who are in these videos all look like the stereotype of the like hipster chick brewery girl. Right. Too. They all look like. I mean, yes, the girl like like an NCIS Miami, whatever her name is. What is her name? The punky girl. I don't know. I don't. And, I've never seen that show. Uh, um, but it's just um interesting to me because e- like even one of the quotes was like. Oh, like you look good up on the forklift, like in the article that was with it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow! Like, I guess that you've been harassed now because somebody said you look good on a forklift. Like, wow. That is very. Um, that is very sexist of you, Alice. Of course, and the NPR story, Alice, uh, mm-hmm. to bring this real, had actresses. Um, Re, uh, replay, re, react, reenact some of these, uh, some of these harassments. I was just a brewer at the time when one of our distro company's owners came up to me and said, "In light of the Me Too movement, I probably shouldn't say this, but you look really sexy driving that forklift." I wanted to crawl out of my body. So that is, uh, that sounds like standard guy come on stuff. The first day I decided to wear lipstick to work, he told me. Oh, so you decided to wear lipstick for us today, huh? So I had a, a woman call today on TIC, and she said, well, yeah, that's how guys and girls get together, is guys say something like that. <laughs> girls either reject it or don't. And she, of course, said um, it, she'd be flattered if somebody said that. Some of the stuff was more serious. Maybe he pushed me age. up against his vehicle, impressed his body up against mine, and told me I had nowhere to go. I told him to get off me, or I was going to tell his girlfriend where he was at 2 a.m., which finally made him back off. The uh, you have nowhere to go approach to hitting <laughs> on a woman. I don't know. I don't know about the veracity of that one, to be quite honest. But anyway, there's some unpleasant stuff. and There's some pleasant stuff. Alice Shattuck, what is your take? So, I mean, obviously, sexual harassment is bad. Pushing people up against walls and telling them they have nowhere to go is bad behavior. And I think in general, uh, men should be told not to do that. That being said... To equate comments like, oh, you decided to wear lipstick for us today, or you look sexy driving the forklift, to, like, harassment, I just, I don't buy that you're that, like, damaged by that. I just don't. And, like, you know, maybe if you want to be taken seriously in more masculine fields, then you should have a little bit of a thicker skin. Because guys, I've just observed in my life, seem to have a pretty thick skin mm. when they're giving each other shit. <laughs> and, Alice! Oh, sorry. I forgot. My um, goodness. Sorry. Um, and, but, you know, if, if there's like an ongoing culture of that and it's a small, tight-knit community, then, you know, I think the way to be able to fit in is not to run to NPR whenever anybody says anything <laughs> that makes you uncomfortable. I just, like, I don't understand the approach to, like, go start your own brewery that has a different culture then. But, like, I don't think that if you want people, it, because it seems to me that what's going on is they want to be liked in this subculture. And right. they're feeling, like, left out or, like, they don't quite fit in with the subculture. And then they're going to the media to complain that they, like, don't feel... Like, they fit into this subculture. You know, like, uh, so what? Do you, like, go try and join the motorcycle club and then complain to NPR that, like, people said made off-color jokes or something? Like, just, 
get a life, start your own brewery, do something else. And like even one of the complaints was saying that it's hard because they're like tend to be really small companies that sometimes like it just has like one boss above them that like their boss is just the owner. So there's no one to complain to if the guy's a jerk. Well, then work for somebody else. It's not like he's the only brewer in the world. There's like 15,000 breweries per city now. It's They're everywhere. Go find a different one with a culture that fits you better. It's not like... I don't get why everybody feels so entitled that they like own this place. Let them go out of business. I don't know. Who cares? Like, <laughs> if you're that great an employee, somebody else will want you. And like, I don't get like needing to force somebody to create a climate so that you like being there. Like, there's no law that says you have to like every work environment. And it seems to me that breweries are the new bars. Mm -hmm. So. Bars when I was younger were a different kind of thing. Breweries are the accepted bar, form of bar, mm -hmm. where under the auspices of trying a flight of beers, you can get smashed and hook up. But so, but, so there is, there are currents of um, sexuality happening all over breweries. Right. It is a place where people go to essentially drink an aphrodisiac. Mm-hmm. Has the end result and, <laughs> often and meet people and, and meet people and and it's a little less of a formal uh, work culture I would mm -hmm. imagine not having worked at a brewery but it's not like you're working in a bank where it's you know like like you said it's like working at a bar it's an informal right. work culture where people probably are hooking up drinking like it's I don't you need to lighten up a little bit. You're not in yes. a mega corporation with an HR department right. and like go work somewhere else if that's what you want. You and know? it's also it's also a performance. A bartender is on stage. I a a good young and handsome bartender with a personality is a rock star, and mm -hmm. it's in, in that means woman too. And makes a lot the of money. red hat is closed now, and I'm just thinking of me and my friend Mike ogled and pined for a woman a bartender there. For probably a full year, tipping her about six hundred percent because she was gorgeous and cool and fun. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me though that like if you want to be accepted in this world and you want people to like you in this world, which fundamentally it seems to me that's what this is about, is that the wrong way to approach that is by forming an organization that essentially tells people you're going to like cause and that you're essentially forming an outside HR department on their behalf without asking them and that you're going to educate them about how to talk to you. That's not like a great pitch for hiring you, in my opinion, or any woman. I feel like it just damages women in the right in the industry overall. Like who's going to hire a woman when you're advertising that you're going to make their life more difficult if they hire a woman and the, that woman doesn't like your work culture. Right. And there are also women who would, could probably thrive in those cultures, mm -hmm. even with the guys hitting on her, uh, the customers hitting on them. Many. What do you mean? There's plenty of women. Half the bars that existed when I was young and mattered were, um, were bars with gorgeous servers, cocktail waitresses. Who were absolutely beautiful to a person. They were beautiful, and they made a lot of money. And the, all they had to do was be beautiful and serve drinks. Mm -hmm. And they, I'm sure they loved. They had a great time working. You get to be beautiful and paid for it. Get all sorts of attention, and you sling drinks for a living. And you probably 
the bar probably stays open after it closes for four hours. I mean, there, there are women who see this system and see, okay, this I have the personality who, one, I could handle a, uh, a the vendor who comes over who's saying I look cute on the forklift, um, and I could handle somebody saying, uh, how do you carry kegs around? You're such a, you know, it's a small, demure person. And I can handle uh, fawning dumb drinkers. It says, this is exactly how I want it. And these ladies would essentially blow that up. Right, because you're, like, making it a liability to hire any woman because you're just turning it into a a problem immediately in advance. Like, you're putting them on notice the second you walk through the door. Who wants to deal with that? Like, it's just... And especially these, like, super small businesses, you know? I, It just seems, like, misguided to me. And it's not that difficult to start a brewery. Like I said, everybody's starting them. So if you don't like the culture at the other 4,500 breweries that are within walking distance of where you live, then just start your own brewery then. You know, it's not like... It's not like we're saying, like, start your own Bank of America if you don't like working there. I think there's, like, a difference in scale, you know? Did you realize, Alice, mm-hmm. I found out today, I said that it's a new uh, it's a new kind of occupation for women to be to be um, brewers of beer, beer. It was always the men who did it. Mm-hmm. And a woman called up and set me straight. I had to, uh, I had to issue a formal apology. Because women used to be brewers? Yes. Guess what? She said they were the alewives. Oh, there you go. Right. And she said, do you know what an alewife is? And I said, a fish? Because it is a fish in Boston uh, and maybe somewhere else, and even Connecticut, actually, I see here. But the alewives. Alewife, also a brewess. Oh, a brewess. Yes. Um, A historical term for women who brewed ale for commercial sale. Women Mm who have been active in brewing... Since before the, I assume it's going to say Ice Age. No, the process is industrialization. Hmm. So yeah. there you go. So, I mean, I um, I don't have a problem with women being in brewing, but I think that right now, at this moment in time, it does tend to be kind of a male-dominated field. So there's no reason to, like, walk in the door and immediately, like, throw a wrench into everybody's day. You know, that's that's my opinion. But Oh, Allison, 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 Allison. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, should we talk about the Tracy Robley? No, uh, sorry, the Laura Robley. Um, the teacher in Connecticut who was suspended. Not suspended. She was busted down. I just want to get through it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was a principal of a school in New Haven, Laura Robley. And she was made to attend one of these... Um, one of these... One of these things that we can't call critical race theory. Right. Some kind of diversity training. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah, so she was forced to... It, Definitely it, it, isn't critical race theory, everybody. No. She was forced to be part of this uh, uh, struggle session where she had to mm-hmm. uh, apologize for her whiteness and and had to s- flog herself. And she left the thing, and this is the official report I'll read from, Robley reportedly entered a teacher's office, seemingly upset, and asked to speak with the teacher and another teacher who happened to be present. Robley wanted to process something amongst, quote, white women. Robley was concerned with the term whiteness that was used uh, during a DELT training, which is diversity, 
equity, learning something, uh, training. Um, and she said, I wasn't understanding it and was taking it personal regarding the term whiteness. During the conversation with the teacher, she said, uh, if I said N-word, we would have a problem. Robley expressly used the N-word while speaking to them, saying, in other words, the person calling me using the slur of whiteness on me and insulting me about my skin word, that was okay in there. But if I went around and I used N-word, that's a problem. Right. What's going on here? I'm insulted by their racism and nobody cares. But they're, they're, so. But, but if I did that, I'd be in trouble, basically. <coughs> right. If I did the reverse, implying that saying that I'm more just the reverse and the teachers, whiteness. The teachers she spoke to, of course, went immediately to mm-hmm. and informed on her. And uh, and they said that they were harmed by what she had said, even though she was not using a slur. She was simply having the conversation, the element of the word. Just talk, She was talking she about words. She talked about how she wouldn't use that word because that would be bad. Right. She was talking about words with teachers. Anyway. They're tra- and they were white. Right. And the, the, um, the Council of Public Safety gathers <laughs> and they uh, determine that she's to be put to death. And so she's gone. So first she was demoted to assistant principal, but now they're complaining and saying that something more needs to happen. She is out of, she's she's not going to work in any school. She's going to work in the central office stamping papers or sorting the mail or something. (laughs) But her career is over and certainly her reputation is over. Um, And this, you can't have a society where this is happening like this. Right, because not everyone has gotten the memo yet. These rules change quickly, you know. Ten years ago, I think it was okay for people to talk about the N-word while using the N-word, right? Yes, yes. In other words, you can't say this these five words. But in saying the word at all, people claim... The, the, the fact that it went in sound waves through the air <laughs> and into somebody else's ear counts as pain for them. So people have been harmed because she simply said words. She didn't right. say punitively. She was not casting aspersions at she anybody. She didn't call somebody that. <coughs> right. She said, I'm not allowed to say X word. So oh, not that long ago, that was an allowable way to speak. And now it's not. You and I know this because we follow the news on all this stuff. Our listeners know this because we've talked about this happening to other people. But, you know, she hadn't gotten the memo yet, apparently, that you're not allowed to even in passing talk about possibly thinking about how right. you wouldn't even use the word if it came up. Like, you're just not even allowed to say, I wouldn't say X. Like, that's just not allowed. This is after you just beat her up using racist r- racist uh, slurs against her. Mm-hmm. These officials, she just got beat up. And in her exasperation, in her moment where she was felt harm. She her said, harm well, I can't say. Blah. Her harm doesn't matter. Right. So no, you're allowed to harm white people because they've spent <coughs> the last several hundred years harming everybody else. So that's okay. Harming them is fine. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, and something without warning, love. And we're clearing, Alice. We're cleaning, pushing things out. Then we're breathing. And the world's alright with me. Sing it. Bring us home, Bill. Just one look at you. <sighs> and I know it's gonna be a lovely.
alewives and brewesses. <laughs> You're a pretty alewife, you know that? Am I an alewife? You are. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I don't want to talk about that again. Okay. It's going away, Alice. It's going away. I had somebody on the air yesterday with me who... <coughs> Who I who I was uh, yell, uh, yelling at cyclists, people who hog the road on on bikes, and and I said I probably should be the last person to talk because uh, of my uh, own uh, issues with weight. And she said, "Yeah, I I was going to say like I mean, I mean, I mean for somebody who um you know is the f word, I said you you can you can say it. You don't have to be afraid to say fat." <laughs> Actually, but, fat activists have embraced the term "fat" because they don't think it should be considered right. But isn't that interesting? Just fat. how like afraid we are, afraid we are mm-hmm. to hurt feelings or do anything. Oh my God, somebody could be hurt. I don't want to hurt him. <laughs> just, everybody, calm down. We can. How about we all just say everything now? How about we can do that? Mm-hmm. My God. Well, good news for you is fats are well on the way to becoming a protected class now. I want another stimmy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and I don't know if you I want got a, a chubby chance stimmy. to actually talk about this today or not. But um, I sent you this morning a So, I guess I'm going to talk about fat phobia and Harry Potter. In the current climate of reevaluating Harry Potter as a work... Ooh, I don't AJ- like that music she's playing. Notice anything about that, by the way? It's dark. Uh, it's not that it's dark, Alice. Uh, what? How would you categorize that music? Classical music? Uh, yes. <laughs> If you're seeing this, you've reached classical music is racist TikTok. The fact that classical music, which is really the music of 18th century Western European cis straight white male composers, is valued as the highest form of art music in America, is an example of white supremacy. Give me a second. Those who go to college to study music will spend countless hours studying music theory, Western music history, and more. And most schools only have one class requirement or no class requirements for world music. This means that educators are woefully unprepared to meet the standards of understanding global interdisciplinary and 21st century connections with me. Why are you talking back to her? She doesn't, she's not here to listen to you. You're to listen to her. Music. Task forces like this one are arguing that the music major needs to be changed to be more all-encompassing and actively anti-racist. But in the meantime, those who are music educators have to struggle and wrestle with the question, how can I be actively anti-racist in teaching music in a system that values white supremacy? She actually says struggle. Mm-hmm. During your struggle session, we expect you to struggle. So now let's get back to this fat phobic and white supremacist person who is dealing with fat phobia. So I guess I'm going to talk about fat phobia and Harry Potter. In the current climate of reevaluating Harry Potter as a work and J.K. Rowling as an author, I mostly see a kind of general acceptance that the Harry Potter books have a fat phobia problem. But what I don't see very often is an understanding of exactly how bad the issue is. As I was going through the books to prep for this, I decided that I needed to make a video focused on one character specifically. Because we need to talk about Dudley Dursley. So what do you remember about Dudley? Probably, if you're like most people, you remember that he was a mean, fat bully who bullies Harry, and that's about it. If you're a fan, maybe you would be able to come up with a little bit more. Like, Dudley is Harry Potter's cousin, and was a mean, fat bully who bullies Harry. I think it's fair to say that he's not exactly 
overly explored as a character. My personal memory was that Dudley was a mean fat bully who bullies Harry and is redeemed in the later books after he loses some weight. And I wasn't exactly <laughs> wrong about that, but when I went back and looked, it's so much worse than I remember. Mm -hmm. The reason I wanted to focus on Dudley specifically is because J.K. Rowling is playing around with some really ugly stereotypes mm -hmm. about fat kids. And Correct. I think that deserves to be very specifically called out as a serious issue that I don't feel like has been properly addressed at all. Okay, so let's begin with the general ways fatness is talked about in Harry Potter. Fat people's fatness is almost always mentioned when the fat characters are mentioned or described, especially when they are bad fat people. Dudley is described as having a fat head, fat wrists, <laughs> fat arms, and fat legs. J.K. Rowling's a good describer. I don't know what to tell you. Right. So there you she go. She has colorful descriptions of everybody, including fats. Well, she also complains that J.K. Rowling says that like fat people waddle. Or that they're squat. She like has a problem. There's with uh, many adjectives and adverbs, Alice, mm -hmm. associated with fat people. They, you know, many of them were invented just for fat people. I think mm -hmm. the waddle is a <laughs> fat person people thing. Physically can't waddle. Right. No. This is these these are all things that come out of the universe of fatness. And she the compares Dudley to animals. And she uses the dangerous trope of fat kids being bullies, even though fat kids are more likely to experience uh, size-based uh, oh, ill treatment. And she uh, uses the dangerous trope that it's possible for fat people to lose weight if they try. Alice, what is the bill that we have to vote for or the universe will end? H.I. Uh, <laughs> 1, the For the People Act. Okay, so just so you, in case you wondered how serious this bill is... <laughs> Uh, this is a movie trailer or a promotional film short. It's a PSA. For PSA for the bill starring Orlando Bloom in Katy Perry. I hope this works. We've got to tell him. The fundamental purpose of our democracy is the freedom of our life. You are our only hope. The America you know doesn't exist in our future. Democracy is dead. We have no voice. The regime watches our every move. It started when voter suppression ran wild all over America. The voting rights bills died in the Senate. Polling places closed. We lost our right to vote. Oh my God. This future doesn't have to be. Wow. You have the power to change it. Save democracy while you can. Oh man. Call your senator now. Mitch McConnell can do all that? Wow. Just right block. I mean, hmm. Wow, I had no idea that we were being prevented from voting just because Georgia moved some voting boxes indoors. Well, Alice, you learn something every day, and we are being mm -hmm. prevented from, uh, from voting. We're going to lose the right to vote. Yep, we didn't act. We didn't pass this particular law. We can't hand out water for 30 feet or for 100 feet, whatever it is, near the poles. And this is what happens. Uh, thank you, Alice, for your thoughtful apology yesterday over the bar tab. I appreciate I'm that. I'm getting lots of support on social media, I've actually. I've not seen that. I don't think that is the case. I think it is. 
But um, also, uh, thanks, everybody, for signing up to Locals. And what's the other thing? Patreon. All the stuff out there. And thanks for listening to WTIC, Travelers Insurance Company. Where you can find Tom 10 to 2 every day. Yes, absolutely. On the Odyssey app. Exactly. And uh, I really appreciate you. Um, and thank you to Cardi B. <laughs> and thank you to Daniel Dale. Daniel? Oh, sorry. It's run by Democrats, many of them conventional Democrats for many decades, and there, there are no shadowy figures. Thank you to Colbert in front of Barack Obama. I just, I just want to take a moment to, to, to drink you in. And of course, thank you to Jill Biden. Jeez. Thank you to all of you who listen to the Burn Barrel Podcast. It's great to talk to you every day. I don't know how else we would stay sane. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. We're also at BurnBarrelPodcast.com or BurnBarrelPodcast at gmail.com. We ha- are on all the various podcasting places, plus YouTube. You can find us, Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel there. Write a review, comment, subscribe, all those things that people tell you to do. Thank you so much, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.